On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Independent GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery, and although it is the Throwing Off season, and I'm here without Michael Verney, we have a special podcast for you today because we are promoting the Hales Decade of the Dubs annual. It is an absolute must-have for Dublin GA fans as well as GA fans in general. It's charting the history of Dublin GA from the 1950s all the way up to the five in a row that was achieved historically by Jim Gavin's men this year. It's just eight ninety-nine. It can be got in all retailers and Dublin bookshops. And here to talk to me about it today is. Herald Deputy Sports Editor Joe Davitt and Sean Potts, a contributor to the series as well as being a former Herald Deputy Sports Editor himself. Lads, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. And guys, it's uh, you know for people who mightn't be too familiar with the series, Joe, it ran, I think the first three installments were in 2018, looking at the 50s and 60s of the dubs, the 70s and the 80s and 90s. That's right, yeah. yeah. We, we ran them last year, last uh, July. And then this year... To coincide with, I guess you guys were, you know, projecting forward and maybe hoping for the five in a row, so it would really tie in nicely. But then the noughties, the first half of this decade, where there was two All Ireland one, and then the, the second half with the five in a row, and now it's been all kind of put in all six uh, parts into one big annual. Yeah, we were we were tasked with uh, coming up with you know a three another series of three, so we decided that. The first uh, first one was the Naughties, which was a lot of stuff to pack in. We it was the biggest one of, of the of the annual. I think it was thirty two or thirty six pages, uh, and then we had we decided to split the the tens in half, hoping, praying that they do the five in a row. Um, we had planned to publish the week of the final after the final, but unfortunately went to replay, so we had to <laughs> we had to hold the print and. Uh, Eventually, they got over the line and and finished it, finished off the job. And what does it rock in on, in terms of pages overall? I don't want to put you on the spot here. Um, I'll just check now. One second, now. oh geez, very heavy. Oh, gee, hang on a second. It's uh, I think it's about 150 pages yeah. if you put the six together. Um, they're all they're all melded in, and there's a there's an unbelievable. Uh, breadth of co- of con- columnists there and uh, contributors, players like you know Jim Crowley, who would have you know played minor with Dublin in '47. Uh, all the way to Paul Flynn, he only retired a few months ago. So huge amount of contributors, uh, players, um, and stats covering everything really from the kind of the birth of uh, Dublin football, as is commonly known, is when you know the St Vincent's team uh, decided to stop um, non-Dublin players playing with uh, the Dublin team. Effectively, picked the Dublin team um, from the 50s onwards and 49 onwards. Uh, for famously, the National League team of 53 was 14 Vincent's players and one <coughs> player from the Air Corps. And from then on, it was a Dublin-only team. And through Kevin Heffernan's influence, I mean, he was born in 29, 
his uh, his vintage his his generation went on to um, dominate in the late forties and fifties. Um, the deal was when 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 Vincent's got to uh, got to adulthood, they were meant to go to Parnells as adult players, but Vincent's changed that and they started a brand new club really from thirty one, thirty two onwards, and started you know this legacy of Dublin GA really from the fifties on. Yeah, and Sean, you were tasked with writing kind of the overviews. I think to to every edition, bar the first one, maybe you're not that old. Not so that you, old, no. they, they left that they left that to, to someone else. But you know what? What kind of stood out to you? You know, contributing to the series. You know, as Joe says, just a breadth of coverage over yeah, such no, a long it's, period it's, of time. It's a wonderful production, and I think even the photographic content in it is, mm. is wonderful. It's beautifully done. I think the mixture of of colours, but certainly the the, the historical prints, uh, you know, bring vividly back to life. But I think it was a great privilege to be involved in something like this because. Um, I've been, you know, involved in 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 the game either, you know, professionally as a journalist, but actually involved and in, uh, emotionally in the game since since birth. Since my family are very uh, strong GA people, and I think uh, as a Dublin supporter uh, all my life, it was uh, it was great to be involved in a project like this. But what stood out for me, being involved in from the seventies onwards, was the sort of evolution of the of the game in the county and I think uh, Joe's alluded to the impact uh, St Vincent's club had on the on the development of football in the county I think the the influence of 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 certain managers uh, at at certain periods I think from the 70s onwards uh, obviously Kevin Heffernan you know it was it was pioneering what he did I think you know it's it's actually it, it's it's commented on in the book I don't think people were aware how he, he didn't just bridge a gap between 1963 and 1974 um, that period was a very, very fallow period for Dublin football. Some um, very surprising defeat yeah, in Leinster, wasn't and, it? And, you know, and Longfords and a great personal friend of ours, Gail Driscoll, who obviously played, in, who spanned that period and played in the early 70s before and they, they made the breakthrough. Uh, often commented about you know going to work the day after a championship match and not actually letting anybody know in the office that he played for Dublin. It, was, it wasn't something that was spoken about. It was something that uh, he just ignored because he was almost embarrassed about uh, where they were at. And and, and then I think Heffernan, and it, it's, it's covered in this, Heffernan realised that things needed to change. And you know when he, when he went in there, he said, well, one thing we will do is we will work harder than everybody else. And that kind of ethos was then embedded in in Dublin football. Now, it, it's not to blame any manager in the intervening period, but again, there was peaks and troughs and another fallow period sort of ensued. And then we were very close to, to breakthroughs in the early 90s. And it was fascinating how why Dublin couldn't se- seem to make that breakthrough. Uh, obviously, the teams were better than them on the day and, and nobody would argue with that, but there seemed to be sort of an underlying thing that Dublin couldn't get over the line between the, the whole sort of drama of, of the 91 series uh, with Mead uh, followed by um, an All-Ireland semi-final loss to Derry, in, in All-Ireland final loss to, to Donegal, then semi-final loss to Derry, then another final loss to Down. And it was feeling like the decade of the duds at the time mm-hmm. as opposed to the dubs. And it was look, it was a very emotional period. And um, I remember Daisy Farrell commenting on the 94, maybe the, the night before the game, with so much emotion uh, expended in the, in the dressing room, actually wanting to go and win. And... Uh, and it's, it's it's funny to how things have evolved since then in terms of the psychology, sport and preparation. I think uh, despite the great efforts of, of subsequent managers in the in- intervening years, I think there was a culture change under Pat Killer. And certainly I I wrote about that and it's, a, it's a, 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 you know, an opinion and I think be borne out in the facts about it. He, he changed the culture of football back to sort of what Heffernan had uh, had tried to achieve in his in his first year, which was we, we're going to we're going to outdo everybody else here in terms of work, in terms of our our attitude to the team. That there would be no 
uh, leaks and this, that, that, you know, and it took him a while. It didn't happen. It didn't happen overnight. Uh, Pat Kelly was under pressure. A lot of people didn't think he was the man for the job at the time. But uh, I, I would certainly attribute a culture change to him. And I think he, he it was a fulcrum in, 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 in moving into the period of, of unprecedented, unprecedented success at this decade. And Sean touches on there, Joe, like there's obviously a lot of success within those pages, you know, the Jim Gavin five in a row, the Kevin Heffernan era, but the kind of follow periods as well are covered in great detail. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of where a lot of the, you know, the kind of interesting stories still come. Like Kieran Whelan has a diary there charting a whole decade where unfortunately he never got to win that All-Ireland title for him, but it's still very kind of evocative and, and it's a quite an enjoyable read, even though some Dublin fans will probably look back at it, you know, through fingers, like, like you know, try to remember those moments. Yeah, I mean, the noughties was uh, kind of my year when I was still playing uh, football, senior football in the county. So I kind of played against a lot of the players that were playing for Dublin. And uh, every year it was just heartbreak. Every year after every year. And I kind of, I had an idea with doing the magazine that we'd do a spread full of just fans with tears in their eyes. I think we got some on the on the uh, the digital version of it that Tony put together. Um, but every year they just very, very, you know, very, very close. And then just heartbreak. Every every year, I mean, I think the worst I think for me was the Mayo two thousand six, um, eight point mm-hmm. seven points up, and then you know the row at the start, the mill at the hill, and then Mayo were going on. Then you say, oh God, finally Mayo do, and then they lose again. You know, <laughs> so you know um, the following year, then losing to Kerry by two points. You know, the Gooch controlling the game two thousand eight, the Bar Soap, then top it all off the Sartley Earwigs. Um, I have a picture of the one of the fans in in the. In the uh, in his in his jersey with the Kerry Me Bollocks jersey written on the back onto the hill, and uh, I just spent the years thinking about him, going like, well, how did he feel after that game? Like, was he embarrassed or what? What happened to him? But like like Sean said, the change of attitude after that, and Jerry Brennan talks about it in his diary. Uh, you know how Gilroy went about the set to change the mentality, you know, to change their values and to lock it down and to, you know. To, to get them over that line is so close so many times. Um, Two thousand one against Kerry, the, you know. It was changing anyway. I mean, the structures were being put in place by um, by John Costello and the county board to to develop. I mean, Kilkenny had pioneered the model of development squads with former players getting involved, and I think Dublin had adopted that model after Kilkenny. And I think that they were they were producing. You know, the players were coming in with it with probably technically more developed than they had been hitherto. Um, the work in the clubs, clubs were, don't forget the growth in in the strength of Dublin clubs during the 2000s was phenomenal. And, and I think during the boom period, the GAA in, in the capital was seen as, a, as an antithesis to the sort of idea of greed and acquisition of stuff and things and materialism and stuff and I think the GA grew uh, um, exponentially in, in the county during during those 10 years and that attributed obviously to the, the type of player coming through and I think the underage work done by uh, Desi Farrell and Jim Gavin in particular before Jim's ascent to the, the senior job was instrumental in building the but what then subsequently came, uh, Pat Gilroy had made the breakthrough and the breakthrough will always be the most important. 74 was equally as important for the county because when they started off in seventy four they weren't given a uh, a chance in that in that season. But Hefo actually changed the the you know the dynamic, and but I think to, to underestimate the the contribution Dublin has hit a, a golden period of a growth in numbers obviously uh, which has been commented on a lot. But I think equally the 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 quality of of underage coaching by by Farrell and Gavin. Uh, alloy to the the work that that Pat Gilroy did to change, and he, what he did was he, it was work rate, 
a slavish work rate, that the, the, the defence would work harder, that the forwards would tackle as hard as any corner back. And, and very, very influential forwards who went on to become very prominent players were put through the ringer by, by Gilroy to make sure that they would, the, the, the work would be relentless and it would be relentless. And ultimately it's what got us over the line in 2011. And I think subsequently if you see the, how Dublin have managed to win very, very tight games against wonderful opposition, They've done so because that ethos still pertains in the county. But it's something that grew from a period like the, they all contributed. The managers who were there before, even you know Tommy Carr, uh, Mickey Whelan, uh, Pillar Caffrey, Tommy Lyons, they all contributed to, to the, the development of players. But what was most disturbing, and Joe would attest to this, is in the middle of the 2000s and 2006, which was a, which was a very, very disappointing defeat to, to, to Mayo at the time, um, was that it was considered that the county that hubris sort of had that they suffered from an idea that they were arrogant or you know that they could always you know and that sort of was always there was always a subtext to that and it probably wasn't true at all but it was always there lingering and it seemed to it seemed to be something that's obliterated now in terms of the attitude of Dublin football which is uh, humility discipline work rate you know, allied to to to, uh, to constant uh, improvement and a dedication to 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 being as as good as they can possibly be, and I think that's what pertains. And I think you know, as I said, the clubs, the underage coaches, the structures, all that uh, contributed significantly to, and and that's you know, it's wonderfully captured in this in this publication. Yeah, just to go back to the to the book for a second, Joey, like the photos uh, Sean mentioned earlier is something that really leap out, you know, even notwithstanding the, the great articles that are in, some of the photos are just brilliant, like across the eras, like, and even the colorization of some of them, like, you know, the, like a pop of blue of the jersey, you know, amidst the black and white really does stand out as some great ones to look at. But from, from your end, you were the kind of, you know, leading that production side of it. Like, how how did you kind of source all these great, you know, pictures, some of them that many people won't have seen before? Well, the the first one started really was the 55 final, uh, which is the cover of the first uh, volume, which is, uh, we colourised the Kerry and the Dublin players in it. Um, it's the famous one, Heffernan kind of looking at the hop, hop ball and trying to get to it. And it kind of summed up his final, you know, they lost, uh, they had lost about three players for that final. They were tipped to win it against Kerry. Um, Norman Allen had a appendicitis. Um, they lost Jim McGuinness, Mark Wil- Marcus Wilson. Um, they were tipped to win the match, and Kerry just kept tipping away, kept getting points. Um, Hereford himself said afterwards that he kept going for points early, or goals. Sorry, he kept hitting goals, and you know he kind of was a bit impatient, and that stayed with him for the rest of his life. That defeat, and it drove him on, you know. And then when he finally won in '76, it was like he turned a corner. Finally got the got the, the donkey off the back, as I say. Um, so, um, really, you know, the, we talk about the story of Vincent in Dublin, we talk, we talk about Heffernan really driving this thing and, and, and keeping going, 58, then they finally won. And, you know, he'd retired in 63, just before they won again. But uh, his influence was always there. And then when Mickey Whelan was, had moved to America, he was kind of helping him with the coaching end of things because he was working in college there and he was showing techniques. And uh, Keaveney talks about it in the, one of the interviews about training on a Saturday as well as a Tuesday and a Thursday. You know, this is totally out of, off the wall stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff in it, as I said. I mean, they've got, you got interviews with the late uh, John Joyce. You know, he famously scored... Um, 6-3 against Longford in 1960 and you know, he, he had uh, one goal jocked off it was an, down as an own goal so he claimed uh, that it was actually his goal so 6-3 and then other interviews then with uh, obviously with Mickey Whelan the great Mickey Whelan 
Um, Jimmy Keaveney, the Pope, uh, Paddy Cullen, uh, Kieran Duff, my hero, um, Paul Kern, um, Harold Columnist, and also a real Dublin great, whose career kind of spanned from '89 to about 2002. Um, further on, then we have stuff from from Charlie Redmond as well, Com Gong's Diary, um, Kieran Whelan again, um, Jerry Brennan, his steps to success, uh, Paul Flynn, as I said already, and. Uh, Alan Brogan, he did a diary too. So mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff packed in there and packing in all the all the years I think from the fifties onwards. So it's it's a great uh, it's a great product I think for people for for Christmas and at a, at a keen price at eight ninety nine and you can obviously buy bargain at eight ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Joe is is, is talking about there about. Um, it's important for the people who, I mean, there's kids around today who don't understand what the fallow years were like, or even what the good years were, were like. Football has changed completely as a game since the 70s. But I, I think it's great that it's an opportunity for younger people who, who have tasted unprecedented success this decade to understand that these players still stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, from the 50s onwards. And people like Kevin Heffernan and, and Joe's, as mentioned, people like Kieran Duff, but also the likes of, you know, Keith Byrne, Eamon Heary and Paul Curran and uh, fantastic footballers, you know, you know, with that great sort of indignant Dublin attitude, you know, which uh, which is important. That it, and I think it's, it's something that's always, that streak has always been in Dublin, you know, and... Uh, Great dash and wonderful, wonderful footballers. Uh, I think the whole sort of Kerry Dublin rivalry uh, underpins this publication because Efren and we, we they talk about his obsession with with beating Kerry and and although Dublin you know did defeat Kerry in seventy six and seventy seven, um, they lost them in seventy five, you know seventy eight, seventy nine, and again in the eighties twice, and even coming into this decade. Kerry still held the whip and all. They've of course we acknowledge they've won more titles. We own this decade, and I think Joe and myself both have very strong Kerry connections, mm. and have been involved. And you know, wonderful county, wonderful traditions in uh, uh, of football in the county. Uh, but it is great to have experienced <laughs> that 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 role reversal from uh, like the late Paddy O'Shea, uh, wonderful character, wonderful footballer, wonderful Irishman, um, great personal friend of mine. I, I spent all those years and some of the fallow years when he knew he knew the pain and he inflicted some of it on us even when he was manager of Westmead but uh, it, it it was it's great I, I'm so sorry he didn't last to, to see some of the, the success we've enjoyed in recent years and um, and I think the O'Shea's have been really gracious about how great this Dublin team really are and you can you can read it in, in all their articles uh, much as it, it, I know it pains them personally to say it. and Kerry will come again there's no doubt uh, great opposition but I think you know, I remember Heffern and, and Jimmy Keaveney talking about that defeat over Kerry in 76 and, and they both said the opposition was right, you know, and it's a, it's an old kind of fashioned way of, of, of really, you know, stating what Jim Gavin always says today and sometimes people think, you know, are critical of him for saying it, but I know deep down he knows that without respect, proper respect for opposition, you can't achieve what we're achieving at the moment. Mm. And again, again, great to see it uh, recorded so wonderfully in, in this publication. Well, yeah, lots to get out of it for not just Dublin fans, but GA fans in general. There's a lot there. But just before you finish up, guys, another Herald initiative this week is obviously they're listing the top 50 Dublin players of the millennium. Frank Roach and Connor McKeown, uh, Herald GA correspondents can take the blame. But yeah, we'll blame them. Yeah, we'll discuss it for a minute here. Today, Joe, uh, was the 40, or 50 to 41, rather, yeah. uh, to tee it up. And then I think it's running up until Friday where the top 10 will be unveiled and the greatest Dublin footballer of the millennium. Um, anything jump out to you from today? I actually just re- quickly read out the top or fifty to forty one for people who might be interested. Fifty Eamon Fennell, forty nine Darren Daly, forty eight Collie Moran, forty seven Johnny McGee, forty six. 
Paul Casey, 45 Simon Connell, 44 Paul Curran, 43 David Henry, 42 Tomas Quinn, and 41 Cormac Costello. Anything there kind of contentious? Or, I know that when you get to 41 to 50, there's probably not too much controversy, but anything jumping out at you? Um, I personally now would, I wouldn't have Amy Fennell in, in, in the top 50. Um, I, apart from the flick now in the 2011 final to, to win the hot ball, I think his contribution wouldn't have been a huge over the millennium, over the 20 years. I definitely have Darren Homan in there ahead of him. I think, you know, over the five years he was playing for Dublin, you know, he contributed a lot in midfield. He was a tough guy to play against, played against myself. He got three for shortcuts, you know. Um, he scored the goal against Kerry in 2001 in the first match, or 1-1 I think he got, and then he got a goal in the, in the replay. Uh, Dublin were so close, you know, that first game. Kerry were gone, you know, the Morris Fitzgerald point. We tried to tried to do it in, in one of the spreads and tried to, there's no footage, all there is is the footage of the YouTube and we tried to freeze frame the, the ball looping across the, the, the bar. I remember watching that, I was in parties in down in Kerry watching it with all my Kerry mates and I was already celebrating. I mm. was up on the, I was nearly up on the bench kind of looping and hollering and then your man got the ball. I could not believe it. I didn't live it down for maybe a year or two, you know, <laughs> but... Uh, it was, um, you know, great days, like, you know, but um, Darren Holman, yeah, I'd have him, have him there ahead. And maybe I wouldn't have Darren Daly so, uh, maybe in there. Mm. That's the only pick I'd have. Well, I agree with you on Darren Holman. He came to one of our live shows over the summer, so he's a friend of the podcast, so I'm definitely going to agree with you on that one. Uh, Sean, for yourself, anything jumping? Well, I've just seen this list here now. You yeah. can't put me on the spot. I'm not a professional journalist any longer. I'm yeah. a publican now, so uh, it's unfair <laughs> to put me on. Uh, I have a lot of personal friends in this list, yeah. so I, I'd be very, very careful but about it. you can't spoil one to 39 as the I can't, only I'm not, I'm not, Okay, that hasn't been That hasn't yet. been unveiled. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't have any issue with the top, okay. top firm there, but... Uh, um, as to, the, as to the last list, uh, at least Desi uh, club mates, Desi Farrell and Senna Connell are both included in oh, there, yeah. so mm. that's okay. It's good yeah. to see them and <laughs> uh, great, great football men. Still involved in the game, I might add, and as are so many of those players, still involved in their clubs, um, still influential in, in Gaelic football in Dublin. Don't forget what they still continue to contribute. Uh, Desi Farrell has managed our own senior team this year. My son is on that team now and Senna Connell was training them. So that that's what the GA is really about and for all the talk that some somehow Dublin is different, it's not. Um, that's what it's about. It's about continuing to give back and I saw a wonderful, did you see the wonderful quote from Gilroy recently uh, just in, in relation to Vincent's. He said uh, he, 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 he actually physically can't give back enough for what he's received from being involved in, in with Globe and County, mm. and I think that's the you know that's that's the really important details and important message uh, from this uh, celebration of, of answer Dublin. the question, Sean. Who would you have in the list? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, no. you're happy with it. I'm. I'm. I'm happy with the list as as stands. And okay. uh, um, Johnny McGee is included there, which is important as well. <laughs> I'm seeing out it's, it's the tail end of actually a lot of the '90s, late '90s players are still in early well, 2000s. That's Some what I was going to say. Paul, Paul Curran. I know he's a Harold columnist, so I'm loath to question <laughs> his presence on the list. But for someone who retired so early in the decade, I know he was a phenomenal GA player, but. He was, he was but Paul Conner was one of the best footballers ever seen played a game. Uh, Baron Baron he was one of the one of the greatest players that ever played a game. End of story. And anyone anyone but, will know that. But the ninety see it's 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 what they did from two thousand onwards. So he, he was it, st he was still he was still a top player. I mean, even a club up until he was in his late thirties. I remember playing against him one time and 
did it, used to do a trick where he'd put someone on their weak side and when they hit it with the, lev- with the left, he used to have, hit it on his left foot. It was in Marty Park one time and he got it on his left foot. As soon as he'd hit it, he gave an uppercut up into the, into the ribs <laughs> and he'd put it wide and then game, game over. So I teed him up for the dig, got the dig into the, into the ribs, he sailed over between the black spot and I just could not believe it. I couldn't believe how strong he was. And he was in his late, late 30s, you know, still playing yeah. club football and uh, still, still a great player. Like. Well, that's a perfect testimony, I think, for his presence on <laughs> the list. And on that note, lads, a reminder that the Decades of the Dubs annual is available in Dublin retailers and in bookshops. It's eight ninety nine. It's an absolute bargain. Sean, Joe, thanks for so much for coming in. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. And that's all we have time for On the Throne this week. We will be back next year for the Alliance National League. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.